You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read two verses. Stand with me when you get there. We'll read verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, the chance you've given us to assemble, I pray, uh, that you anoint me to preach a message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand, draw us each closer to each other as you draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. These two verses are pivotal in the New Testament. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. As we begin to work, and as we begin... Uh, to spread the gospel and uh, preach the word of God, invite uh, people to church in our community, in our families, we're going to start to see people come to know Christ. Amen. And understanding verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We have to understand what is a gift. To know that God gives us our salvation from his mercy and his work on Calvary. And it's not something that you and I uh, have done, right? We receive it from God. We realize that we're lost and we're undone and that we need a relationship with our creator. That there is a savior uh, that walked the earth many years ago and did a work on Calvary uh, in our place. So to present that to lost people as a gift in truth becomes one of our, is one of our responsibilities. But we must understand what a gift truly is. And within our modern Western culture, sometimes gift giving can be skewed. We call things gifts that are not exactly gifts. Okay? I'll tell you Friday night, or Friday afternoon, I stopped by uh, Granny's house. I went in, and I was doing some stuff that I was doing. Sitting there at the table, me and Granny were talking, and I said, Granny, I need a gift. <laughs> Just flat out, because I'm, I'm kind of bold like that. I need a gift from you. And she said, what is it? And I said, this is what it is. She said, okay. It's a real gift. It's given with no, um, the gift is, is born out of love, and there is no conditions. And sometimes we attach conditions verbally, we imply them. Uh, obviously, I do it a lot for Granny. We go to doctor's appointments, uh, we go here and we go there, and that's not connected to the gift. She didn't say, you can have the gift, I'll give you the gift, but i got to go to the doctor. Next week, 
and I've got to go to the bank, and we've got to go here, and we've got to do this. And you got to take care of that. Because if she does, if she attaches that, then it's no longer a gift. It's wages for work performed. And those two things have to be separate. For it to be a gift, the reality is, I'm going to take Granny to the doctor next week, whether she gives me a gift or not, because I love her. Those things are separate uh, and need to, need to stay that way mentally and we, how we approach and do life together uh, is separating those things. So never implying conditions, never uh, favoring one over the other. And the church is the same way. When we give gifts uh, to people, we imitate Christ and there's no conditions, there's no uh, expectations we don't, we're freely um, dealing with all of humanity the same way God deals with his salvation. Uh, so it's given and it's shown to everyone. The Bible says that that's the case. So we definitely cannot pick and choose who we share the gospel with. There's value in every life that we meet and every person that we meet. One of the, I think, in my view, if you're making a list of sins, even though I don't think you should, one of the most grievous things is evangelism for profit. Right. It just makes my skin crawl. That's right. It's not something that we certainly will not engage in, but when you, when you realize that, that what that means is uh, there could be shepherds living out in the field, coming to our church, right? Uh, they could be homeless, in jail. Whatever their need is and wherever they are, the gift from God is available to them. Amen. And when they receive it, we should rejoice. Amen? So the gift of God, freely given, and He doesn't take it back. A couple of weeks ago, I was kind of tongue-in-cheek, laughingly, said that I believe once you're saved, you're always saved. And of course, eyebrows went together. They shot up. There were a couple gasps. I said, well, if you really read through the Bible and understand the gift of God, our salvation, you'll start to understand it, that God doesn't give a gift and then take it back. It's not dependent on your behavior. I'm looking around the room to make sure we're all together. You guys stay down there. I'll stay up here for safety. So, so when we receive the gift, our gift of salvation, it's freely given to all people. And I'm telling you, you can't. It's durable. It doesn't hang by a thread. It doesn't change throughout the day. He doesn't give it and take it back, give it and take it back, give it and take it back. But as a gift you receive... You have to care for it. Christ tells us to pick up our, our cross and follow him. It's a daily activity. So you can abandon the gift. You can set it down. Johnny Cash famously said that when he went to pick up his cross again, he found it right where he had left it. And I, that, that's the best way to explain salvation as a gift. Uh, so want, always, if we treasure it, if we worship God, 
If the law becomes a path we walk, the gift is secure. No one can take it from us. But it does require our care. He does require, it does require our attention and our daily, um, in the daily relationship that we have with God. You must take care of it. You must cherish it. You must love uh, that and be focused on it. You can, like I said, abandon it, leave it, turn away from it, and then be lost and backslidden. The Bible clearly states uh, that God will blot your name out, the Lamb's book of life. But it is not an action that he initiates. It is not an action that he initiates. It's a, it's a response to our caretaking of the gift. If you look into verse 9, not of works lest any man should boast. As we work together to evangelize and we start telling our loved ones and your loved ones that God is real and died for them on a cross and that salvation's available to them, that we're not talking about their moral upstanding, their choices in life. We're talking about being born again, that they can be made new. Um, Not of their works, lest any man should boast. We must be humble in our approach to this. We must understand it's a gift, that we really don't deserve it that we are sinful, fallen people, and that the judge took our place in the punishment. Because that's what Calvary is. We, we don't think of it in terms of that sometimes, but really, it's the, it's the same act as if you saw in a courtroom the judge listening to a case, being presented the evidence, finding the person guilty, and sentencing them to death then standing in the prisoner's place for the death sentence. That's what Christ done for you and I. We're judged sinful and worthy of death, and our judge took our punishment for us. When you realize that, that we're just beggars who are given some bread, that we didn't work for this and we didn't earn it, Our salvation takes on a whole new meaning. You should be excited. You should be happy. The creator of the universe loves us that much to make a way uh, that Christ's righteousness would be uh, counted toward us and could stand in our place. So we start to evangelize. We must then be humble because it's not of our works. We don't boast about our salvation. Uh, Brother Jim was talking about leaving the room because of the conversation. Uh, The only way, and I know, Brother Jim, I know that's how he's working, is a humbleness. If you have an air about it, then you're defeating your purpose. So I know, Brother Jim, I know he humbly leaves the room, and that makes a statement to those that are left in the room. Now, if he stands up and he says, I will not hear this, filthy sinners, finish your lunch. I'm walking on. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother way to go about evangelism. The words, the words that he's using point to a reality, but they're not loving, caring words. When Christ was on earth, he could have shown many ways that he was God. But the way that he chose to show that to people was through compassionate acts. 
He could have flown up in the air, spun around, fireworks, a big thing, created stuff in front of people, but he didn't. He healed the sick, the lame walked, uh, the blind could see after coming to know Christ. So his proof of who he was was found in works of compassion and love towards human beings. So we must be that same, in that same mold uh, as we evangelize, not proud or boasting or conceited or with a bunker mentality where we come to church and huddle in and talk about how terrible the world is uh, and be proud of, of who we are and what we're accomplishing. Outside of that, we must be loving and outgoing and humble. When we are, the message that we're delivering holds much more weight. Amen. Like I said, if you say finish your lunch, filthy sinners, and slam the door when you walk away, or you're eating with your family, finish your pie, filthy sinners. It just doesn't work. When you, you're an ambassador, the Bible calls us ambassadors of Christ. Uh, if you think of that word that's used in the Word of God and what it really pertains to, an ambassador we know is a direct representative, but they don't get to change the message. They're given their message from the country they represent, and that's what they do, and we're likewise to do the same, that our message stays true, that salvation is a gift for everyone, uh, that this person can come to know God no matter where they are uh, in life. And approach that with confidence. Uh, when, we, when I go to, when I see different smaller Baptist churches, I often, when you talk to anybody, just the lack of confidence in the gospel in reaching lost people is overwhelming. I, I don't know how else to explain it. We must realize that what we're talking about here is eternal life. Right. And God is very real. And Christ has the power to change lives. Amen. We can have that confidence. But our confidence must lie in those truths. If not, we're pushing our opinions on other people if we're telling them what we believe. So if I come up to you and you're a stranger and I say, you know, how... I break the ice and begin a conversation, and I say, you know, bulldogs are dogs. That's an ultimate, that's a reality, that's a truth. You can't argue with that. The person's not going to be upset. They may think I'm a little crazy or what have you, but it's the truth, and they accept it as such. When we tell people that Christ is real and that Christ loves them, it's just as much truth as that. When I tell that stranger that bulldogs are the best dogs, that's a different story because that is not ultimate truth to everybody. I would argue it is an ultimate truth. You just haven't figured it out yet, but you might have, you might have a different opinion of it, right? But that's just what I believe, and it's not really true for everyone. So I can't have confidence in that statement. I don't know that that statement is going to take hold in your life or do any good because I've made it up. And we must be very weary and uh, very leery and careful that we don't fall into that trap in our evangelism. 
that we stick to ultimate truths, that God is real, God died for you, uh, John 3.16, and be able to take people through the gospel in confidence. Stand with me this morning. We'll ask Sister Diane to come, Brother Jim and Brother Mark. We'll take their places. I'm going to leave you with this thought this morning. I don't have this bow. I don't have the verse mark. Paul was in prison for the gospel. He wrote, and it's in, it's, you find it in the scriptures. He did not ask for the church or anyone to start working to his release or to send money for commissary or send him a book to read or anything like that. He prayed for more boldness in the gospel. And he prayed, he asked them to pray for that, and he asked them to pray for more opportunities to share the gospel. So I know through Paul's example, through the word of God, that evangelism starts with prayer. Uh,